Good evening, everyone. Hallelujah. And you're welcome to our Wednesday service. Yes. We're streaming live from World Outreach Church for all nations. And we're still observing our social distancing. And I know that um, every one of us are keeping safe. So I'm, I, I want you to join us this evening yes. as we praise God and celebrate His name again. Because He's wonderful, He's great. So in the comfort of your home, I want you to lift up your hands and just appreciate him for life, for strength, for keeping you till this time. He's faithful, regardless of all that is going around thank you, uh, in, the, in the nations of the world. We thank God that God is still God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Father. We honor your name because it is good to give thanks yes. to the Lord, to tell of your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know in your life and in my life, God is doing it again and again and again. So we're declaring the word of God this evening. Your promise, your promise. 
The Son of God is lifted high. 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 In my life, my God is lifted high. The Son of God is lifted high. Oh, the Son of God.
says that the name of Jesus, Jesus every knee regardless of the sickness, Jesus, regardless of the problem, they bow at the name Jesus, of Jesus. Declare it one more time. He's so sweet. Sing so sweet.
Psalm 20 says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Yes. May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings and find your burnt offering acceptable. Verse four, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. We will sing for joy over your victory, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some boast in chariots, and some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Lord, may the King answer us in the day we call. Thank you, Father God, for just the time of worship that we spend in your presence. Thank you for such an awesome worship team who sing songs that are always in season that glorify you, that, that lift you up. That when we say that the Son of God is lifted high, we mean it. Yes. And that when we know that the Son of God is lifted high, he will draw all men unto himself. We just lift you up, Son of God. When we say that, that Jesus is so sweet, we know by experience We've been through things in our lives and we know by experience that Jesus is sweet. Yes. That he is the one that we can place our trust in. Who has brought us from, from the dungeons into a place of restoration. Jesus who, who sought us when we were lost and brought us to his fold. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And at any time that we speak, any time that we are, are, are put on a platform, we just recognize that you are the one who is at the center. It's not about us. It's not about our statuses. It's not about our positions. It's not about our titles. It's not whether we own businesses or work for, or work for amazing employers. It's all about you, Jesus. That when we pray, we're proclaiming Jesus. When we worship, we're proclaiming Jesus. When we sing, we're proclaiming Jesus. When we go to work, we're proclaiming Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you will even give us the privilege to be, to be called your own. That you will even give us your identity. That when we stand before the Father, we are declared righteous. Not because of something we've done, not because of something we were capable of doing, but something that you have already accomplished on the cross, where you exchanged your righteousness and gave us your righteousness and took away our unrighteousness. We are grateful. We're grateful to be a part of a nation that is core values, is liberty and justice for all, and that we hold that nation to those promises for each and every person that lives, walks, and breathes within the borders of this country. We thank you for those who are in leadership. Despite their flaws, we know, Father God, that you have placed them in, for such a time as this. We thank you for our, our various challenges 
that we face. Because we know that in those obstacles and through those obstacles, we have been known to overcome and that we can stand up as the light on, uh, as the light of the world and at the, as a city that is on top of a hill, that when people see us, that they see you. And that when people come to know us, they know you. And that when we speak to them, they are hearing your voice. Because we, we know, Father God, that we are the hope for this generation because you have given us your spirit to proclaim you. And Father God, we don't take this responsibility lightly. We don't take this lightly. That you have called us to stand in the gap because you stood in the gap for us through your son. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We praise you. And we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. I am not going to take up a lot of your time, but we're going to just go through. I wanted today to be a little bit more practical. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about justice and, uh, and, and what justice means for us as the body of Christ and our responsibility and our role in accomplishing the justice. Because God, according to, uh, uh, according to Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1, he had placed the spirit on the son, on his servant, to accomplish and bring forth justice. And because we are part of that, the body of his son, it is now our responsibility to continue that walk, to continue that move. And because you have placed your spirit upon us, according to Acts chapter 2, we know that it is our responsibility to walk according to that justice. Amen? Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters, and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. That's such a timely, uh, uh, such a timely word for occasions just like this. The issues regarding race relations cannot and will not be solved overnight. This is just a reality. I have made up in my mind that whatever platform that I'm given and whatever opportunity presents itself, I will stand firm on the word of God to speak and preach the gospel as it relates to justice. I also realize that many times I am speaking to the choir. <laughs> the message in many ways is not new because the issue is not new. However, I believe that, that as these issues are being addressed, there are things we can do as Christians having the black experience, especially within this congregation. I remember I wrote a poem uh, on, on Resur for Resurrection Sunday, and I performed it at this church um, that me and my wife had attended in Houston for, uh, for Resurrection Sunday. It was, it was a church. We've been a part of this congregation for well over about two years at this time. And, uh, and this church had never had a spoken word artist of my caliber um, to, to ever to you know, recite poetry. Uh, and this was a major stage. I performed this poem. The performance went so good that it led to other opportunities. One of these opportunities in which I was asked to write was for this event called the Joel II Conference. Um, and the focus of this conference was to address the declining morality in America 
things like abortion, same-sex marriage, and the seeming, risk the seeming rift between Israel and the United States under the presidency of Barack Obama. So I, I agreed to do the pro poem, but I made a stipulation in which I wouldn't just talk about some of America's sins, but all of America's sins. The lady that uh, had this request, uh, made this request, I agreed that she agreed to it, and so therefore I wrote the poem and submitted it to her for review. She responded by saying that she liked the poem, but she wanted me to remove the issues of slavery, Jim Crow, and the unfair treatment of Native Americans out of the poem. <laughs> she loved the fact that I, I, that I addressed abortion. She loved how I spoke against same-sex marriage. But all this other stuff, oh no, it has to be removed. I told her that I could not and I would not make that change. She begged me to make the changes to it and told me that, that this would be a major boost to my platform if I, because I would have the opportunity to speak in, a lot of, in the presence of a lot of game changers that were well established in the, uh, in the Houston area as far as the evangelical circle was concerned. She told me to pray about it and let her know my decision. I told her that there was no need to pray about it. <laughs> I would not change it. I will not change it. The reason that I was very stern about my position was for one, artistic integrity. Two, we cannot continue to ignore certain issues or pretend like they don't exist. I sometimes wonder if what we're experiencing in regards to COVID-19 could be connected to the sins that have been uh, left unrepented for in America. Just wondering. And maybe not just in America, but even on a global scale, sins of injustice that have not been repented for, I wonder if COVID-19 came as a result of those things. Because we know of this, the passage in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where you know, God speaks to, to Solomon and he's addressing them and letting them know that, listen, you know, if you will call on my name, if you will seek my faith, if you will humble yourself, if you will pray, if you will bend your knees, then I will hear from heaven and heal your, and heal your land. So I kind of wonder if there's a connection between those things. Anyway. So, in regards to the issue of, uh, of, uh, uh, that we've been dealing with, um, I read from Jeremiah chapter, um, chapter 29. And here's where Yahweh has sent Israel into exile to Babylon due to Israel's disobedience and, Israel's and how Israel oppressed those within their own. And God sent them to, uh, to Babylon um, basically as punishment. He sent them there as exiles to a foreign land under a foreign ruler. There was a prophet by the name of Hananiah who prophesied falsely saying that God was going to restore Israel within a short period of time. And this made the Israelites who were in captivity excited. However, Jeremiah gave a different prophecy that was less popular that contradicted Hananiah. Yahweh told Jeremiah that Israel would be in captive will be in captivity for 7 years and gave them instructions on what they needed to do. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Be fruitful and multiply. I know you've heard that before. <laughs> Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Why? Because they're going to be there for a very long time. I know, they got, I know you got hopes of going home, but right now this is your home. Get comfortable. You can imagine if you've been exiled to Babylon at the age of, let's just say, 60. You don't have that much time left to live. 
So hearing 70 years means that you will never see your land again. Somehow this is maybe connected to the black experience in this nation where black people have been taken from Africa and now transported to the Americas to serve in, to be served in, in, in uh, perpetual servitude or in bondage to their captors. To work lands that were not theirs. To eat food that they were not familiar with. To serve with no expectations of, see, of receiving any wages for what they were working for. So I see this relating to, Jer to, to Jeremiah chapter 29, the issue of slaves being taken from Africa being brought here. But now we're in 2020. How, do, how does this work for us in the year of 2020? We're not slaves anymore. We're now living in a land. Some of us came here by our sheer will or our parents brought us, but there's many of us that are here in this country that came because of slavery, against our will. So number one, we have to remember that our exile is temporary. In other words, current positioning is not forever. We are stationed in time, but our destination is eternal. Our Messiah, Jesus, is returning, and he will usher to the earth the very tangible presence of God's kingdom. This was the hope that the Jewish people were looking for, and this is the promise that God has, has given us in, for, in the foretaste in, of the person of his son, Jesus Christ. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 5 to 6 in the, in the LEB, and, this is that, and that is the uh, Lexham English Bible, may not have it, but if you've ever looked up the Lexham uh, English Bible, this is what it would read for Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 through 6. It would say, look, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king, and he will achieve success, and he will do justice and righteousness in the land, and in his days Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell in safety, and this is his name by which he will be called Yahweh is our righteousness. So we have, we have to remember that these conditions are temporary conditions. They will not last forever. Jesus is coming to establish a tangible kingdom <laughs> where equality, justice is the name of the day. Two, we must, not, we must let go of our political idols in this country. Yes. I am tired of Christians in leadership who are hesitant to speak the truth about immoral decisions made by elected officials because many of us idolize these persons. I remember how I felt when Obama endorsed same-sex marriage. He was and still is my favorite president. But I had to denounce this decision that he had made in regards to same-sex marriage because it ran contradictory to the word of God, even though I loved President Obama. We must be extremely vocal against all types of injustice promoted by those in government leadership, regardless of party, because our allegiance is to our God, not to the American system. I prayed for President Trump publicly, and I've been very vocal against Trump publicly. <laughs> Presidents are not kings. They are elected officials who should be denounced when they speak and act wickedly. When David sinned against God, Nathan the prophet confronted him. When, chief, when a chief priest was acting unjustly, the apostle Paul called him spineless. Yeshua called Herod a fox in Luke, in Luke chapter 13, verse 32. We must read our Bibles and also expand on our library. Reading the Bible instructs us of our understanding of God's vision within this foreign land, and expanding our library gives us ideas on how to execute the vision of God. 
The Apostle Paul was very strategic in his, in his ministry because he was extremely educated, not just in the Tanakh, the, the Jewish scriptures, but also in the Roman Greco or the Greco-Roman scholarship of his day. In Acts chapter 17, when, when Paul evangelized to the Greek philosophers at Mars Hill, he, he demonstrated his understanding of the history regarding the altar that was inscribed to the unknown God, as well as their poets, which is where, the, where, we, get, where we get the scripture, or what we see in scripture where it says, for in him we live and move and exist. That verse did not come from the Tanakh. That verse came from Greek poets. But Paul was able to connect the Greek poetry to who God was in a way that the Greeks understood what he was saying. We have to learn to be knowledgeable in which we can hold conversations with anybody regardless of what the subject matter may be because these are opportunities in which we are able to now speak to those who we do not, who we may not necessarily uh, sit with on a regular basis or fellowship with on a regular basis. One of the things I always tell people is that you should be really good at reading about urban planning and development. Reading urban planning and development, and development tells you a lot about what's going on in your local area. If you want to ever make some good money in real estate, <laughs> Study urban planning and development. <laughs> that way, Pastor IBK ain't the only one making money up in this house. <laughs> so we must recognize that our, our situation is, is, is temporary and that we are expecting the arrival of the tangible presence of Jesus' kingdom. Uh, two, we must let go of our political idols in this country. Three, we must not just, we must read our Bibles, which is extremely important, but also as important, we need to expand our library. So if you're the kind of person who hasn't been reading your Bible, but been very knowledgeable in the things of this world, I encourage you, please read your Bible. That way you will get an idea of what God's vision is for you, for your family, for your community. And if you're the kind of person that only reads your Bible, you're well-versed in, in Genesis and, and, and Exodus, and you know all the chapters in Psalm, you know all the verses in Matthews, and, and you can quote the book of Revelation by heart. If you're that kind of person, I encourage you to expand your, your, your insight and read and, and expand your library. Greatly, in that way, you are able to now take what you've learned from the Word of God and also be able to execute God's vision because you are now knowledgeable about what's going on in the world today. Number four, we need to either form alliances or create a platform in which the people of God speak to the issues that concern our community from a nonpartisan position. There is strength in numbers and associations. How many of us are part of organizations like the National Black Evangelical Association or even just the National Evangelical Association? What about the National Urban League or the NAACP or the SCLC or the Equal Justice Initiative? The National, the National Action Network, et cetera. These organizations need our voices. One, because we hold them accountable to the Word of God. Two, we can now use a lot of our dollars, which can help to influence a lot of the work that they do in our community. Being involved in these organizations uh, or organizations like them also increases our platform, especially our impact. Number five, invest in where you live. Stop having the escapist mentality. And this hits home for me <laughs> and for many people who are like me. You know, when you get a little bit of pocket change and you're like, you know what, <laughs> the neighborhood I, I grew up in is nice, but you know, I need to go to this other neighborhood where things are really happening. The school systems are better. The hospitals are accessible. I mean, 
you know, you name it. They got all the resources that I'm looking for. My children can really grow here. And what tends to happen is that when we leave those communities, we take a lot of the, 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 the wealth and knowledge and, and monetary resources and, and even political influence with us. And sometimes we end up going into communities that do not care about us. So I would always encourage us, if we possibly can, wherever you are, make an impact in the community that you are in. This is primarily what Jeremiah 29 was about. One of the biggest problems, especially among the African, African community, is that we are opportunists to a certain degree. We come to America to get all that we can get and then leave without creating a long-lasting impact or legacy in the communities that we were in when we were in America. We make comments like, when I get tired, this ain't my country, I can go back home. I've heard that a lot growing up. Some of the reasons why there is a dislike for African immigrants is because we are perceived as just being here when things are good. We enjoy the freedoms, um, but when we do not want, but we enjoy the freedoms, but we do not want to pay the cost. There is nothing wrong with taking advantage of the opportunities that we have in this country, and also there's nothing wrong with seeking to improve your, your, your native land. I think that's extremely noble. I think that's extremely commendable. But we need to make our presence felt in every way possible in that we are, are, are not to be, we're not just being perceived as foreigners in the natural, but benefactors to the places that we have come. We must ask ourselves, how have we as Christians who are Africans improved America, which leads me to my next point. Rethink how we see work and community. There's a, an amazing book by an amazing author that I would totally recommend for anybody. The book is called Work Shift. And it's written by this amazing author. His name is Pastor Bankoli Akimola. This is the plug. Go get this book now. This book will change your life. And I'll talk to Pastor Bank about my little check for, you know, plug in his book. But anyway, but this book is extremely, extremely powerful because we need to rethink how we see work and community. Teachers, firefighters, police officers, etc. If civilization depended on us as a church, would civilization continue? In our body, we do not have many teachers, firefighters, police officers, etc. While we praise the fact that we have children in what we consider a high-dollar field, we must place great value in work that is not seen as being prestigious in our community. Somebody is teaching your child. Somebody is putting fires out in your community. Somebody is enforcing the laws that we are governed by. We cannot afford to neglect our voices in these areas. I would love to see more public servants in our ministry if God blesses us with them one day. I really do. It's extremely important. You know, I was on a trip looking for houses with somebody who remains unmentioned because I'm gonna have to charge them if I plug them. But one of these houses, two, door down, two doors down, had a police officer that lived at that house. And that let me know that if I wanted to buy this particular house, that I could have a relationship with a police officer that served in this community. You know what that means? That means that if I ever get, you know, harassed on the street, I know whose name I need to mention in order to get some immediate assistance. I know whose number I can dial to let that, so that person can tell this police officer or whoever, hey, lay your hands off of this, this person I know. Some of the reasons why we face some of the challenges we have is that we do not have direct relationships with police officers in our community. We don't have a relationship with police officers in our church. Their police officers are extremely vital and relationships are important if we can have them with these same individuals because they benefit us greatly. Number seven, expand your community. Abraham had relationships with many Gentiles. When his nephew Lot got into a situation 
Abraham knew who he needed to call, to, to, in other words, to gather the troops to go rescue his nephew Lot. If I'm ever in a jam, and I know that there are certain people who may not look like me, who may not talk like me, who, do, who prefer certain foods that I may not necessarily, you know, necessarily be a big fan of, I know that I can call those folks because I have relationships with those individuals. There's people who are outside of my culture that are very well versed in things that I do not know. I need them. There's, there's people who are in my culture that are very well versed in certain things. They need us. It is a need-need relationship. We must expand our community. And I'm rounding up with this very last point. Be unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian. Yes. And I know that that's probably a, 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 a phrase that could be considered very controversial, but, but let me say this. One of the things that I have promised myself to stop doing a couple of years ago was, um, how can I put it? Stop using uh, certain dictions in my voice that was not natural to me. Some of us would call it, you know, putting on our white voices when we go to work. <laughs> you know, and it's not just that, you know, and, and again, the uh, race, uh, you know, your voice does not have a color to it. But what I'm trying to say is that the way you sound at home when you're using correct grammar in English and so on and so forth needs to be the same way you sound at the office. Why? Because you're different. God made you different. The way you walk and the way you talk is different from everybody else. And you got to appreciate that. You got to love that. You are robbing other communities of the opportunity of getting to know who you are and your culture and your ethnic distinctions and so on and so forth when you try to pretend or you try to assimilate to what, they, what you think they would like. You are beautiful the way that God has made you. You are beautiful in the voice that God has given you. Don't try to sound different than who you are. Don't try to act different than who you are. If you are a Negro when you go to work, act like a Negro. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> love yourself. You cannot expect people to love you if you don't love you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Be unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian, meaning that in the race or the culture that you are in and the ethnic distinction that you have, you can speak to the issues concerning, uh, concerning your community and concerning other people's community because your voice is unique. And not only is your voice unique, you carry Christ. Be unashamedly black unapologetically Christian. I want to put my black fist up right now, but I know that probably won't be cool. <laughs> but seriously, we are in a nation that we are expecting to see major changes happen. And in order to ensure that those changes happen, we have to be the change agents in who we are and how we present ourselves in this nation so that we can hold other people accountable to being change agents with who they are and how they present themselves in this situation. Let us pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for just an awesome time in you. We pray, Father God, that you, know, that you will continuously just be the, the voice that everybody hears when we are preaching, when we're teaching, when we're singing, when we're serving our communities, because that's what you called us to be. You've called us to to, 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 to build strong families and serve the global community. And so, Father God, we know that in order to accomplish that, you've given us the tools through your Holy Spirit, through your message, and through the resources and the gifts and the abilities that you have placed within us. And so, Father God, we just pray that you will continuously empower us to, to be the people you've called us to be, um, in local situations and in global situations, that the church of Jesus Christ, as, a, as the, ecclesi as the uh, ecclesial body, the whole, the totality, 
would be a force to be reckoned with in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.